Nyata, hello. It's Alison here from a church in Pequarren country in southwest Victoria, a church named Sanctuary. Do you think I have come to bring peace to the earth? asked Jesus. Well, yes, I do. When he was born, the angels sang that there would be peace among those in whom God delights. So it seems reasonable to think that he brings peace. But in tonight's text, he says, no. In tonight's text, Jesus says that he brings fire to the earth. He brings division and that households will be torn apart. So were the angels wrong? Did Jesus really come in order to wield fire and destruction, to generate conflict, to destroy relationship? Well, some preachers think so. Some preachers use texts like this to paint a picture of a fire-breathing, angry God who longs to see people burn for their sins. And they dig through their Bibles to find what they need to support this image of God. And some of us have grown up with such preaching, and it scared the bejesus out of us. And even now, some of us, or maybe it's just me, receive messages from such preachers and those shaped by them, telling me exactly how I'm going to be judged for my so-called false teachings on God's love, acceptance and grace. Because this preacher says no to such preaching and emphatically rejects a violent God. This preacher instead worships a Jesus who loves and heals and unites a Jesus who has a preferential option for those marginalised and rejected by the powers that be. This preacher also knows that such a Jesus is wildly unpopular and that to proclaim such a Jesus can cause trouble. And this, I think, is what Jesus is getting at. Historically, the church in this country has been an agent of the state and a means of social control. It began as a Church of England, and it gave a religious gloss to the colonisers and demanded good behaviour from the masses. And while its social power is now greatly diminished, not too much else has changed. Sure, there are little forays into social justice or emergency relief, but for the most part, the Church in Australia is still deeply conservative. For the most part, it perpetuates authoritarian structures in governance and family. It relies on income from the stock market and government land grants. It adopts corporate mores and capitalist ideas of success, and it pumps out compliant people who don't upset the apple cart. In other words, the church in Australia largely upholds the status quo. Yet despite its best defences, the words of Jesus keep sneaking in. Words like, the first shall be last, and the last first. Or I came to proclaim release to the captives. Well, blessed are the poor, but woe to you who are rich. Don't place your trust in money and investments, but in God's kingdom culture. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Don't judge. Don't condemn. 
and don't place heavy burdens on people. Instead, help carry their load and put children front and centre and be a whole lot more like them. Every now and then, these and similar words of Jesus light a fire in a person or in a small group or in a family or in a congregation. Every now and then people begin to take them seriously and then the sparks fly. Because the first have no intention of coming last, thank you very much, nor of using their privilege to serve less powerful folk. And the rich are so sure that they're blessed, they blame poor folk for being poor. Adults enjoy their authority and seek distance from ratty kids, especially at church. And straight cisgender folk want a monopoly on grace. Men won't be told by a woman, while women, fearful of being slapped down, deny their truth and stay silent. So when people are set on fire by Jesus and start putting their faith into action, when they start asking hard questions about money and power and who gets to speak, they get pushed back. Tempers flare, conflict erupts, division ensues in families, in churches and in the wider society. In other words, Jesus' words are descriptive. They're not telling us what he wants to do, burn us, divide us or cause conflict. Instead, his words in Luke 12 describe what so often happens when we, like him, become inflamed by the Holy Spirit and seek to do God's will. The irony, of course, is that God's will is all about incarnating peace. God calls us to embody a way of life together which is drenched in shalom, the peace promised at Jesus' birth, the peace which he and his disciples share with others. But shalom is not peace as the world knows it. It's not the absence of conflict. It's not a military peace enforced by fear or violence, nor is it a state peace where the poor are too ground down to organise. It's not the false peace of Christians who insist that we're all in agreement or that our government and economic systems are fine. Nor is shalom about denial or dishonesty. It's not about papering over conflict or trauma or sin. It's not about false cheerfulness in the face of suffering. And it's not about being nice. Instead, shalom or God's peace. It's about living in right relationship with God and each other and the earth. Shalom dares to dream of a world shaped by love and justice, mercy and grace. A world in which there are no barriers to God's table and all know that they are truly, deeply welcome. But for that vision to become a reality, some things are going to need to change. So Shalom calls for prophetic truth-telling and poetic vision-casting. 
and shalom requires humility to listen it requires ongoing repentance it requires a reordering of priorities in individuals and families and organizations and it requires the courage to change now a whole lot of people like things just the way they are they fear change and they'll do anything they can to block it and this is why Jesus says he brings division but for those who are willing to follow Jesus to be inflamed by the spirit to embody his vision to live with the discomfort of resistance to the status quo to those who are willing to do the hard work of peacemaking over and over and over again there is a promise Yes, there may be conflict. Yes, there may be schism. Yes, it might erupt within our own families, just as Jesus' own family was in conflict over him. Even so, I suggest that this way of living, of loving, of serving, and of incarnating Christ through conflict and beyond is worth living and even dying into new life for. Because in the long run, it promises real peace the peace which is union with Christ the peace which surpasses understanding the peace which flows from right relationship with God so in the joy and the struggle let us indeed lift our voices with the angels and let us together sing glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to the people in whom God is well pleased. Peace be with you now. Amen. There's always more to read on our website. That's sanctuarybaptist.org. Sanctuary is funded entirely by members and supporters. If you'd like to support the work of this little church, you can make a donation via PayPal, and you'll find the details for this on the website. This recording was made on the lands of the Pequorong people of the Eastern Ma Nation. It is a land taken by force and never ceded. And it's a land threaded by rivers and bounded by the sea. This week, early wattles are exploding in gold, while birds are busy building their nests. I pay my respects to elders past and present, and the peace of the land be with us all. Amen.